let's talk about the Word of God. And I, I sometimes feel like I ought to apologize for you, to you for sort of my intensity. I'm very intense about the Word of God because I found nothing to compare with it. And what the Lord has done in my life is immeasurable by any human metric. It's immeasurable. And I, I love him. I love the Lord. And if I talk about it a little bit too long, I, I get very weepy because I truly love him. And I want everyone to love him. And I want those who are sitting on the fence to get off the fence and love him. Jesus has done for us what no one else has ever done for us. And I want your commitment to be toward him and him alone. Don't be too easy on yourself because Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. Some of us have said to our warriors, our heroes, our warriors who have fought for the integrity of this nation and gone to battle to fight our battles, whether they were worthy or good battles or not, they had to go. And many of you have said, thank you for your service. And you never said thank you to Jesus for his service. And Jesus has done for you much more than even the most valiant warrior in our military. But every time I say thank you, I'm thanking him for his service. I grew up in a day when old folks used to say, and I guess that old folks is relative these days, but they would say, when you don't have anything else to say to Jesus, just tell him thank you. And then when you don't have anything else to say other than that, you can say Jesus and Jesus. And those are meaningful words. I was thinking about Jesus' resurrection, and I call this Christ's resurrection victory. Christ's resurrection victory. That was a, an eternal victory. And you may ask, well, how do you know you weren't there? I was. This is how I was there. I have the Holy Spirit who was there. And he has given me an assurance that I never had in my life. And so he was there. And I have entered into God's history. You have entered into God's history. And now there are things you know, not by intuition, not by intuition, but by the indwelling Holy Spirit. And they are irrefutable. Irrefutable. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the very core of our faith. And it is indispensable to our faith. You must embrace and understand the resurrection regardless of what's happening. Regardless of the doubters, the naysayers, and the liars. Without that resurrection, his resurrection, 
there's no salvation. If Christ did not rise from the dead, Paul tells us, our faith is totally empty. And it is vain to think or believe any of the scriptures. No need to quote the 23rd Psalm, Isaiah 53, if he didn't get out of that grave. So we have to know these things and walk in these realities and be convinced of them. And don't live a lifetime of vacillating. I believe, I don't know, yeah, maybe, I'm not sure. But we know that Jesus Christ did rise from the grave because he has given us his spirit as an inner witness that he did experience a bodily resurrection. Jesus experienced a bodily resurrection and his resurrection, that resurrection guarantees our resurrection. That's an irrefutable thing. It's going to happen. Everything that he has said will happen. Because if it fails to happen, everything disintegrates. It goes into oblivion. So this is an amazing salvation that we've received. I feel a little bit like an old friend of mine who said one day, he said, man, I've always been serious. I was always serious. He said, even when I was in elementary school and at recess, he said, I went out on that playground, I had serious fun. <laughs> I feel like him. So, but the believers at Corinth, the believers at Corinth did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Somebody had come in and, and persuaded them that that had not happened. And so Paul presented three proofs to assure his readers that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead. And I want to just examine them a little bit. The reality of our faith is, is the risen Christ. The reality of our faith is the risen Christ. It's not some feeling you have. It's not the fact that you joined a church or you said you had a born-again experience. The reality of our faith is that Jesus Christ God's son got out of the grave. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received. Now notice, I preached this gospel, you received it. And in which you stand, receive and stand, by which also you are saved. So you received it, you stand in it, by which also you are saved. And then he says, he, he adds what I call a caveat, you know, like the buyer beware thing. He says, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. It's what Paul is saying is the also, a proof of salvation is your resilience against every attack against you. Your ability to stand 
no matter what goes on. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life I, I was amazed that I was standing. I had no strength to stand, but I was standing anyway. That's why the scripture verifies it by saying, greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. And so the, the one in me was standing so firmly, I could not shrink. I could not waver. And that's the same with you. And so he says, unless you believe in vain. And so why would you put that in there? Because it's, it is amazing how the Holy Spirit gives us these, these caveats, these uh, buyer beware, because he doesn't want you to be so sure in vanity or in vain. He doesn't want you to have a, an experience of cockiness. And what I know, I'm saying, I know. But when people do that, it bothers me. You know, it does because the way they, they arrogantly say things, it's almost like they don't know Jesus. Really. But he puts that in there, and I believe it is for our good. So Paul says, unless you believe in vain, if you hold fast that word, you're saved. If you hold fast that word, which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain, why would you put that in there? Well, this is why. In the Greek, vain means uh, ike. It's an idea of failure. And so what Paul is saying to them, or it means without reason or effect or without cause, it's like you really didn't believe, you gave mental assent. Mental assent is not biblical faith. And so you just said, oh, okay. I heard nothing better today, so. But that's mental assent. And so, uh, for example, the scripture says, you believe that there is one God. That's James 2.19. James 2.19. You don't have to turn in there. James 2.19 says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. And, and I, there have been some brothers in town. I've I forgiven them long, 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 long time ago, decades ago. But when we came to the city and I was preaching that the only thing you have to do when you wake up in the morning is believe God. And, and these guys were coming out on the radio and TV and was talking about, you got to do more than believe. You know, you know, that's all right. That's all right. We all have to grow. And, and, uh, and I said, no, you don't have to do more than believe. You have... True biblical belief or faith will cause you to walk right. So this is what Paul is saying to these Corinthians. No, no, what can you do more than believe God? He said, well, do it. No, your doing comes out of who you are. Doing always comes out of being. Being doesn't come out of doing. My doing becomes out of who I am. For, for if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and behold, all things all become new. That's reality. So I do because I am. I am. I, it's not I am because I've done. And so, so, and so I, I explained to one of these guys, I said, wait a minute. I said, the demons get, have given mental assent. They have never come to a salvation experience, nor can they. For a, a salvation has escaped them forever. And then they are the do-gooders the do-gooders who want to come up with some kind of religion that says, no, 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 love wins. Everybody's going to be saved. That's nutty. It's not biblical. Tell me which one of you would, would, would have an investment. And in that investment, you put in $1,000. 
and suddenly your investment had, had, had come to a million dollars. And somebody in the investment sphere, in the market, lost money. You say, well, you can have it back. There's not one of you who would do that. God has given us all opportunities. Demons don't believe as in salvation. They have an, a mentality. We know who he is, but there's no repentance for them. And so the, the, see, the mental ascent has to do with complying with or giving in to, or it is like, I did as I was told. You know, somebody, I did as I was told. And so that is not the salvation. Somebody had come in uh, with another gospel to the Corinthians, and it just spoiled them. They're doing it again. And I'm finding that too many of us are swallowing the lie, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, I hope you're here today because I absolutely love all of you. I, I, I've not all shaken all of your hands. I want to do that one day. One day, we're just going to have a dinner, and it's going to be on the house. And we're going to find a way to do it. And we're going to all sit down together and eat before that great supper in the sky. Because I want to say hi to every one of you. Absolutely love you. But the gospel is the most important message that the church has ever proclaimed or could ever proclaim. It is the gospel. Remember when one of the politicians years ago was running for office and he wasn't doing that good. And he came up with the, with the slogan, it's the economy. I won't use that last word, but it's the economy. And uh, I want to say to every one of us, no matter what you do, no matter what your interests are, it's the gospel. That is the most important message to be proclaimed. It's the gospel. You say, well, not just the gospel. Yes, just the gospel. Because the gospel definitively is the good news of Jesus Christ. Not just good news, the good news that Jesus has come. Wow. Now, now it, I, I, I admit, it, it is good. It is good. It is good to be involved in social action and the betterment of mankind. It's good. Some believers don't even think it's good to do that. You're just wrong. You know, I don't think you're um, apostate yet, but you are wrong. It's good to be involved in the betterment of mankind. There's no reason why these ministries should preempt the gospel, though. They should never preempt the gospel. They should never be to you more important than the gospel. This is what should be important to you, is that Christ died, he was buried. He rose again. He was seen. And these are the things that are basic. They're basic historical facts. It's a historical fact that this happened uh, and on which this gospel stands. And we must be firm in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I didn't think I was going to get far. But let me, a couple of more, and you'll just keep standing but stand by. <laughs> In verse 3, Paul says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. 
and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and he was seen by Cephas or Peter then by the twelve after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once and so if he had some mystical resurrection no no they wouldn't have been seen he said he was seen by over 500 brethren at one time uh, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, the fourth one. This is the fourth sighting of Jesus. After that, he was seen by James, the Lord's brother. You know, that, that's a sad story for me, and I'm going to take about two more minutes of time, maybe three. James had lived in the house with Jesus for many, many years possibly as many as 25 years or so. And he didn't believe him. I trust there's nobody here today who have been in the house, but you're an unbeliever. I trust that there's nobody online, you're an unbeliever. So the Lord, fourthly, appeared to James. And that's probably when James was converted. James wanted to say, hey, if, you, if, if, if you're all that, go to Jerusalem and show yourself. Well, the, 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 all this is my own, you know. I mean, I don't know if he did it all like that. But that's the feeling I get. His brothers didn't believe in him. If you want to be, be known while you're doing all this stuff privately, get on up there. You know, but Jesus said, no, your time is always, mine is not. And those, the people in the world, their time is always, but yours is not. Yours is not. Listen, okay, let me go back. Then by all the apostles. Fifthly, he was seen by all the apostles. What that means is the apostles that some would have you to believe, there were only the 12. There were a lot of apostles in those days because they had seen the Lord. And, they, and then Paul says, then last of all, he was seen by me, number six, by me also is by one born out of due time, for I am the least of the apostles. And whenever Paul writes, when he writes that, my heart breaks because of his sin, his rebellion against God. He was all messed up. But he says, I was born out of due time. I'm the least of the apostles who, are, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecute the church of God. You see how good God is. We, we have, many of us here have not been faithful to him. And we, we've done things we should not have done and said things we should not have said. But he loved us too. And he brought us here. He saved us. Washed us in his blood. Has given us eternal life. We're not worthy either. But verse 10 says... But by the grace of God, I am what I am. We are here, saved by the blood of Jesus. Amen. I want you to ponder that word as Brother James leads us in a brief melody. And I'm going to come right back.